0: Welcome to the Lightbearers Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in scripture.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Light Bears podcast. This is Hope Wash Back, and joining me today, we have the pleasure of having Bethany Porter and Tyson Lee. Yeah. Hello, Hope. Hey, so Bethany, you have joined us before. Tyson, I believe this is your first time. So, to kick it off, how about you guys do a quick introduction, say what you're currently doing for Light Bears, and to mix it up, a fun fact.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'll let Pressure is on. go first because I haven't thought about it yet.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so I'm Bethany Porter. Um, I am Women's Discipleship in Fayetteville. So right now we're at a staff retreat in Branson, Missouri. That's why we're all together. Um, and that's my fun fact. i was <laughs> just kidding. Uh, my fun fact, my go-to is that my dad is Australian.
1: That's
0: oh,
2: I, did well, I, I, I didn't so know that. So I am half you. Aussie, did not know that. Mate. Oh.
0: <laughs> Good day, Mike. Like that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, my name is Tyson, and I work for Light Bears, but my role is development. So, finding ways to reach out to potential donors and cast the vision for Light Bears is what I try to do. Uh, share with them where we've been, where we are, and where we hope to go. So, in Starkville, we have been given ten acres of land, and so we are trying to raise money to actually build our apartment complex. Fun fact about me: I love Broadway.
2: Hmm. Really? What's your favorite Broadway?
0: Hairspray. So. Zac
2: Efron. Oh no! There <laughs> was is this, he on the Broadway? Floor? I don't <laughs> think He's so. In the movie. Oh, is it really? In the movie, I don't. I don't know anything about
0: Broadway. Oh. Well, all I know is, like ten years ago, I was in New York. There was this four foot ten redheaded girl. Who was killing it. Really? Yes. And so I've been hooked on Broadway since.
1: Nice. Man, five, that's an actually. endorsement right there. Yeah. So. Oh. Wicked. Hairspray, everybody.
0: Hairspray, Lion King, Jersey Boys, Phantom of the Opera.
1: It's mm. a solid lineup. Blue
2: nice.
0: No, but that's a great movie.
1: I saw that on Broadway and bald my eyes out. <laughs>
0: That means it was good. Got to me.
1: Um, well, today we will be covering 1st and 2nd Peter along with Jude. So we'll just hop into the content. Bethany, will you kick us off and give us some context on the author of 1st and 2nd Peter?
2: Yeah, so shocker, Peter wrote 1st and 2nd Peter. Um, I just hit the mic. Um so, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. Um, I mean, he honestly was one of my favorites, I think, because he, I mean, he's one of those disciples you don't really know what you're going to get that day. So, either he'll be a disciple that is succeeding really impressively. Like, he's saying to Jesus, You are the Son of God. He was the very first disciple that ever proclaimed that to him um, when Jesus, like, asked him point blank. But he's also someone that <laughs> failed very epically. So, that was hey, denying Jesus three times. Um, there were times when he didn't display that much faith. Um, but it's on this man that that Jesus decides that he's going to build the church. And, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. So, I mean, one of my favorite passages that I share at Institute is John 21 when uh, Jesus asks him, hey, do you love me, three times. And then Peter says three times, yes, Lord, I love you. Um I love that passage.
0: <laughs> that's a really good passage. Yeah. We yeah, talked right. about that on the way up here. Me, Turner, and Beth, we were actually on the way talking about 1st, 2nd Peter and Jude, and then Turner taught on John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and one of the discussions that we had was uh, the the three times that Jesus asked Peter, uh, do you love me? So, no, mm-hmm. that's a, a really good text. Yeah,
2: because it, it kind of parallels with the, he denied him three times, mm-hmm. and then Jesus kind of confirms three times, like, I still accept you, and... You're, and basically, my Holy Spirit's going to help you be capable of loving me once I'm sent, you know, or once I go back to the Father. Um, but in that, after He says, you know, "Do you love me three times?" Then, then Peter says, you know, "I I do love you three times," and Jesus says, "Okay, then feed my sheep." Um, and we see through this letter that that Peter is feeding his sheep, and that's First and Second Peter. Um, And the context of 1 Peter is really interesting because, I mean, during that time, so it's modern-day Turkey where the church is, and it's a bunch of house churches. So, I mean, what we would picture as church or uh, often what I would picture is you know, a big building with lots of people, which there's nothing wrong with that kind of church. But this would have been, you know, picture like groups of families gathered together receiving this letter in houses and living rooms and then passing it on to the next one. Um, and so the, I mean these words would have been precious to them of like we, we are undergoing suffering, uh, the suffering that they were undergoing. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a government sanctioned oppression, but it was more of a cultural oppression against Christianity. So there were outbursts against it. Um, and it was during the, the reign of Nero. Um, but, so I'm
0: curious now. yeah, when you were teaching, did you kind of give the similar backdrop imagery? for the students. Is that kind of how you intro it?
2: Like with Peter and his story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of went into that.
0: Because for me, even as you were just explaining the setting, it's not your typical Western or at least American Mm -hmm. idea of church. It's more families. It's in homes. I think it causes you to step back and even consider not just the letter, but who was receiving the letter. Yeah. And so it's just neat to see how important that is in teaching because if not, we operate from a worldview or an idea that we already have. So uh, that's really neat. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because I, I know it's it's easy when we read scripture. I think to feel a little out of it, but then when we pull ourselves in, it's like these are these are real people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think of, I can think of people that kind of have the personality that I imagine Peter having. It's like okay, these were. These were the men that that Jesus built the church on, very ordinary young guys. Yeah,
1: and I love the fact that, I mean, Peter was literally the disciple that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, Mm -hmm. yet he was the one that he built the church on. And so to me, that's an encouragement. As I, you know, walk out life, it's relatable in the sense of having these moments of feeling like, all right, things are things are going okay, and then these other moments of, yeah, just you know, failing epically, you yeah. know. Yeah. So or I think that's relatable, impressively. Yeah, exactly. So, have <laughs> you that.
0: failed epically? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Do you are
1: saying? Like <laughs> At
0: times, <laughs> but no, it's so true. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this on the way up. Meaning, when we consider people in the scriptures from Abraham to David and Peter and Moses, like how inadequate they were, but then the failures that they had. And mm-hmm. I think what has been helpful for me, and even considering First and Second Peter, is that the hero of the scriptures is always Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think growing up for, for myself, I often saw the hero as the person in the story. Yeah. But even as you're saying to consider yeah, Peter got it right and he got it wrong, uh, but in the midst of all those things, as we read these letters, we see that Jesus is the real hero. So mm. I think it's just an important thing to consider.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. So Bethany, you kind of alluded to this already, but first Peter focuses on the topic of suffering. So mm-hmm. that's what the church was going through. Um, so can you speak to the age-old question of why do Christians suffer and how, do, how does Peter address it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough subject. I think it's, you know, even just talking about this with the students, it felt a little bit like, okay, a lot of suffering has happened in this room and it's not something that we just lightly walk into. Um, there's lots of different types of fu- suffering. I mean, so there's suffering for doing good for your faith of, because I'm a believer, I am being thrown into jail because I live in, in a country where that's illegal or there's a kind of suffering of, Hey, there's just a hurricane and I lo- lost my home or my friends are making fun of me for being a believer. I mean, there's so many yeah. types of that, that, um, Peter addresses, but he he's mostly addressing a suffering for doing good. Um, so that would be because I am a believer, I act differently, and therefore I'm suffering. So in his book, he's, he's, he is answering those two questions of why do Christians suffer and how do they suffer well. And he would say, okay, first of all, you suffer because you're a chosen people. Hmm. Um, with that, I mean, there's great spiritual blessings that we have Um, so that would be, I mean, he says you're a holy nation. You're you're owned by Jesus. You you've been transferred from this um kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You know, he he actually says that you've been illuminated in your mind. So you now have the ability to do right and to do good because of the Holy Spirit. Um, so there's spiritual blessings, but with those spiritual blessings, we now have these new desires and therefore new actions. But then when we have new actions, so that would be Hey, I'm not going to join in in I mean it actually gives the example in 1st Peter of parties and drunkenness and sleeping around that that my culture would and because of that I suffer. He's saying you're going to be reviled for this, but what Christ did is he didn't revile. He didn't he didn't join in. Um, but he didn't, you know, taunt back. Peter Peter then walks us through yeah, because you're a new creation. You're gonna have new desires and therefore you're gonna have this new treatment. and a lot of times that's a form of suffering right. Um, so if, for us, you know that would be we don't need to minimize the suffering of a college student for saying no to a party like that's actually a big deal. they They're saying no to friendships. Uh, they're saying no to a form of lifestyle that is really easy to slip into. But then we also don't want to cheapen, you know, the sacrifice of a martyr in somewhere in Africa or in the Middle East. I mean, they're they're both valid forms of suffering that God wants to use in his body and that is is very real within the church. Right. And sometimes
1: I think that, you know, within even coming to this point of becoming familiar with the gospel, a lot of times what is emphasized is Jesus suffered so that he would take away God's wrath from us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's sometimes not as emphasized is this – this fact of suffering will come. You know, Jesus is our King and our example. And because of that, um, suffering is coming our way too. Yeah. And so I love how practical you make that for a college student that is saying no to things like parties or just things that would make them more acceptable with their peers. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I, I do think there's a form of suffering too of, you know, even if it's you know, the way that we treat friendship maybe is different than the rest of the world or the way that we spend our money is different. So because I'm tithing or giving away money as I, as the Holy Spirit is leading sacrificially, there's certain things that Christians aren't joining in that the rest of the world would. And I mean, sometimes that feels a little bit trivial, but I do think that's a form of, hey, we're believers, so we're not going to go on as extravagant holidays or, be guaranteed as safe of a retirement. Like those are good things, Mm -hmm. but when that's all that we're shooting for with our money, I think the Lord wants us to live in that tension with him of trusting him with our money. And then with our friendship, that would be the, Hey, I'm not going to bail on my friend as soon as she offends me. I'm going to continue. I'm going to call her out. I'm going to forgive. And I think that's a form of suffering that we are encountering. Life is hard as a believer, but it's totally worth it. And the way the way that we say yes to that suffering makes God look huge to the rest mm-hmm. of the world. Um, you if... know, I, think,
0: I was just going to say two things you said. One was the need to validate college students where they are mm-hmm. because a college student who says no to a party, a college student who says no to even a certain college or certain organizations within a school, Mm -hmm. because they know that it's better for them to not do that. That is a legitimate suffering for them. And that doesn't mean that those who have been martyred are less than or more than. It just... To, to use the word, it just creates attention. There's a little yeah. bit of both, that we recognize men and women of the faith who have given their lives for Jesus, mm-hmm. where at the same time, when we're talking to an 18, 19, 20-year-old student, making them understand, what does suffering look like for you? And how do we now look to Jesus for our ultimate hope? And so I think, at least for me, oftentimes uh, we want to skip the the trivial things in a college student's life because it doesn't seem that big of a deal, mm-hmm. but for them it is. Yeah. And just being able to meet them where they are, I think yeah. is a huge part of not just ministry, but what I, uh, Lightbearers aims to do.
2: Yeah. And one thing that struck me from going back to that John 21 passage is, um, you know, Jesus says to Peter, Hey, you're going to, you're going to suffer greatly for me. And what I want you to do is to follow me. And the first thing that Peter says is, yeah, but what about this other disciple? And he was Mm, referring to John and Jesus says, no, do not worry about the other disciple, worry about your allotment. And I, for me personally, that was huge thinking through that of, I don't need to feel bad about how little I've suffered. I don't need to feel worried about how much I'm going to suffer what Jesus wants for me is to be faithful in my context to continue following him. And when that suffering comes, it pretty much is guaranteeing scripture that we will suffer. That's when I need to handle it well. And Peter is full of just these precious nuggets of this is how I I follow Jesus in the midst of suffering. So if that's the hard thing or an easy season, you're called to to continue following him in your context.
1: Yeah. And I love that Jesus doesn't you know try to romanticize what it would be like to follow him he very clearly lays it out of expect this yeah and then peter's response is a very relatable one once again because it's it takes a rewiring yeah. our brains are wired to avoid suffering to chase mm-hmm. happiness and yeah. so it's okay that that's like a a fight that we kind of have yeah. to pursue so yeah you're that.
0: pretty good at this
1: definitely that is you're you too. too hope that's why no, should have no, to re-invite anything. i'm like
0: i'm background the best <laughs> part about this when somebody talks you just kind of step back and every now and then you toss an idea in, and then and everyone the, goes yeah, yeah the listeners it. are like oh that was good so
1: well, to all of
0: you who are listening you're welcome
1: well tyson you're about to be up on base mm, wow. for this one um so now we've covered this idea that we should expect suffering so help us talk through how we can be, remain anchored in christ when suffering comes our way
0: you know, it's tough, honestly, when I think about teaching, you know, and Bethany probably can relate. When you're teaching something, one of the best parts about preparing to teach is uh, how it works in your own heart. And so even in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, uh, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I think well, the encouragement, or at least uh, the ability to stay anchored, is being reminded that God is the one who calls us. God is the one who allows us to be born again. And so that is the anchor. It's not on my feelings. Uh, there are days when I wake up and I'm excited, and there are days where I wake up and I'm tired. And so just being reminded that my hope is not in myself. My hope is in someone that has already accomplished the work for me. And so I think when suffering does come, whether it be small or large, I'm just able to at least step back, and the Spirit working through me reminds me that my hope lies not here, but later. And and Peter talks about us being aliens and exiles, and this is not our home. And so when suffering comes— it's a reminder. It's a reminder that yes, there is a world that is not um, here yet, but uh, Jesus, at one time, will make all things new. So I think ultimately, being anchored in Him is uh, looking to Him for our ultimate hope, even when those sufferings do come.
1: Yeah, I love that, and I think it is hard to persevere in the midst of suffering. But also, I feel like there's a lot of times that's difficult to speak into brothers and sisters, you know, suffering as well. It's hard to say the right thing. Um, I'm always reminded of in First Thessalonians when it talks about encouraging one another and building each other up, mm-hmm. and that word encourage actually making, meaning speaking courage into one another. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with what you just said, Tyson, of pointing to the future hope we have and empathetically saying, God's going to sustain you in the midst of this.
0: Yeah, I think the beautiful thing about suffering when we take it well is there will be times where we can walk along somebody else in their suffering. And if by God's grace, we walk through that season well, we'll be able to walk with them well. And so Mm -hmm. when we see suffering, not as necessarily what we want, but what we need, when we see it that way, I think we respond in a better way. And Peter goes on to talk about uh, later things that we need to say no to, uh, desires of our flesh and how... Uh, those things are always going to be at war. So, um yeah, I think that suffering can come in small ways, it can come in large ways, uh, but when we suffer and we put our hope in Jesus, when somebody else comes to us during their suffering times, we can encourage them, hey, look, find your hope, fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So, uh I think Bethany did a good job of just introducing the whole chapter and uh suffering just a a tough topic. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the age-old sure. question, why would a good God allow suffering. And and it really is a hard one, but uh, we just trust that He is good. And this suffering ultimately points us to Him and reminds us that uh, this world is not our home.
1: Yeah. And I also, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that clip of John Piper when he talks about suffering um, and prosperity gospel, and just him even pointing to the fact of us in situations where our culture would say, this is awful, our response being like, God will sustain me makes him look good, mm-hmm. you know? And so just even keeping that aware of how we glorify God in the midst of that, I think is a, a big picture to keep in mind as well.
2: Yeah, because I, I think First Pe- per- Peter too does a great First job. Perter. <laughs> <Perder. laughs> First Peter does a great job of uh, pulling that out that, you know, we don't respond with um, surprise, like it says, why are you so surprised at this fiery trial that has come upon you? Um, that's me kind of wording it. It words it a lot more beautifully. In the <laughs> I don't know, Bethany. Very oh, well, articulate. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but, you know, it says don't be so shocked and actually don't only receive it, but receive it with joy because I, yeah. I mean, I've received a lot of things in my life not with a lot of joy. Um, and so if we're, you know, if we're saying Jesus is so awesome, if if relying on him, you know that that shows okay he's the one who's giving us our strength and so if, mm. if if he's the one giving our strength and relying on him and suffering is the thing that makes us rely on him, therefore it makes him look huge. So I think that has helped me as I think through suffering. Okay, why why could I count it as joy? It's because it makes Jesus look awesome and if we love Jesus, then that's what we want. Mm-hmm um that it, it doesn't make you Yeah, easy.
0: no, but it, and it allows us to share with other people, hey, God is faithful. Mm-hmm. I was even looking at 1st Peter 4 verse 19. Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And mm-hmm. so I just think it allows us to point to the one who is faithful because there are days when suffering comes and I respond well, mm-hmm. and there are days it comes and I don't. But Although I'm faithless, God uh, remains faithful. Yeah. And so I think that's just an encouragement in those times of suffering. Hey, I'm struggling today, but let me let me point you to the one who is faithful. And uh, it really does. It makes much of Jesus, just like you said, Hope.
1: Yeah, I love that. So let's switch gears a little bit now. Um, Bethany, can you give us a quick intro of Jude and then talk about the objections that people were facing to the gospel?
2: Yeah, so Jude is the brother of Jesus, Um, I mean, it would have been really interesting to grow up with Jesus, I think. So it would have been James, James would have been his brother as well. But, um, I mean, I think we all, if you have siblings, you kind of go through that phase with your siblings where you suddenly realize that, wow, like not only is it just another physical body in my house, but my brother's actually my friend, you know, Yeah. but Jude would have gotten to the point where it's going from, Okay, another sibling, kind of annoying to maybe friend. I mean, I don't know what their relationship was like growing up, but hopefully, okay, I kind of like him. We can talk. We can hang out. But he actually would have made that transition to Jesus is the Lord of my life. And, I mean, that's right. the perspective that he would have offered to churches would have been incredible. Um, and he he offered that perspective by being a traveling teacher and missionary. Um, we actually don't know what church he was sending this letter to, but we do think it was a group of Jews, um, because he uses a lot of um, literature from Jewish culture. Um, it, I mean, it would it would be like a pastor now talking about Lord of the Rings or, like, using something like that to make an analogy. Right, and you don't have to give much of an
1: explanation because it's kind of assumed the audience is picking it up. Yeah,
2: Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I can relate to that or I understand what he's talking about. So that literature would have been similar. So that's why we think it was probably to a Jewish group. But what what Jude does is he starts to write with a sense of urgency. He actually says, I I was going to write to you about our common Mm -hmm. salvation, um, but now... I'm going to write to you with urgency about false prophets. So the Book of Jude pretty much is just lining out, hey, this is um, these are these are some characteristics of false prophets, and this is why we need to be worried about them. And then this is how you protect yourself from false prophets, right? Which I think
1: is cool because I, thinking about the upbringing, he probably ran through a lot of these questions on his own, mm-hmm. saying, "This is my brother. Is this is he really the savior?" Yeah. I'm sure a lot of these questions kind of already he had naturally thought through, and yeah. so that feels like a very natural setup for that. Yeah, yeah, Jude. I mean, it's a, it's such a short book, um, and it, it's
2: really paralleled to Second Peter, mm-hmm. and so both of them are kind of. Talking about the same thing. So, 19 of the 25 verses in Jude are paralleled to the exact same ideas that we see in Second Peter. Um, and a lot of that is saying false prophets are greedy, um, they twist doctrine. Um, so, a lot of them are twisting the doctrine yeah. of grace and saying, okay, we can kind of do whatever we want. But we see that in Romans, you know, Romans six, it says you don't keep on sinning, even though you have grace. Actually, grace propels you to obedience, and obedience is freedom in Christ. Whereas sin is actually slavery. So Jude and Second Peter both really focus on the attributes of the false prophets and then what doctrines they're twisting.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was doing some prep work, uh, I had ordered Mark Dever's book, "Promises um, Promises Kept," and I, w- I thought it was interesting that. Second Peter and Jude were more similar than first Peter and second Peter. Mm-hmm. Kind of what you were saying, first Peter was about mainly suffering and then second Peter and Jude in a lot of ways it was about certainty so that you can know that you are saved. And you know, you read the book mm-hmm. of Jude and one of the things that really stuck out is not just the brevity of it. It was super short, but just the urgency, hey, hey contend for the faith. Mm-hmm. And so for us, I think it's, a, it's the same call for us today, whether it be for college students, for our families, for our children, for our friends, uh, that there are false doctrines, there are false prophets, false teachers in our world. And so we need to at least be aware of what truth is so that we can refute false doctrine, but at the same time, so that we can come alongside people and offer them hope that lasts and is sustaining. And mm-hmm. so studying this, one thing I liked about it, the books were short. So mm-hmm. I feel bad for people that have to teach on like yeah. <laughs>
2: Revelation. Exodus,
0: Revelation. <laughs> I like the fact that the book was short, personally. But yeah. <laughs> um, it really was sweet to kind of be able to read it multiple times mm-hmm. and see what are some of the themes that keep coming up in First Peter suffering, but then Second Peter and Jude. Hey, know that this is the gospel. Mm-hmm. You can be certain of who Jesus is and what he's come to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So can you guys just for context, give us what some of those objections specifically were to the gospel that they talked.
2: Yeah, so most of the objections are actually in Second Peter. So Jude is more calling out this is what a false prophet would look like. Um so he does emphasize that, you know, false doctrine leads to wayward living. So it's 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 not just a, oh cool, we've got some false doctrine, no big deal, but it actually leads people into sinful living so it is a big deal it is it is urgent um but in second peter some of the objections had a lot to do with um the second coming of christ so one of the one of the objections was well it says generations come generations go but he still hasn't come back yet and jesus said he would come back yeah so has he forgotten you know is he just being careless that, but then Peter walks us through, actually, no, he created. And so if he created, therefore, he also has has the ability to keep his word and to allow us to send Jesus back, get back again and to judge us. Um, and then he also says, actually, God, God, the fact that God hasn't come back yet is a sign of his deep patience for mm-hmm. you. Um, I mean, there's several others. I don't know if no, that was Tyson, I, you No, I word.
0: was looking at my notes, but I was just reminded when I read Second Peter... It was almost this sense, even for me, like this stuff is real. Like Mm -hmm. judgment is real. There will be a day, you know, one thing that Brett Keller has said even this week is shipwreck is coming, Mm -hmm. meaning like my life will come to an end and at the end of my life, I will give an account. And so I think second Peter does a really good job in a short book of making you aware of that, you know, second Peter chapter two and really verses three through 10, uh, no, chapter three, second Peter chapter three, verses eight through ten. Uh, a few things. God is not forgetful, but he's eternal. Mm-hmm. That was one. Uh you just mentioned that God's slow God's slowness is his patience. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was just that God's judgment will come suddenly. And so I, I remember after I read first Peter, I was like, Oh man, I need to suffer. You know, this is yeah. this is the way of the Christian life. And then I read Second Peter and I was like, Man, I need to do something. Like there are mm-hmm. people around me. Who don't know Jesus, and so how can we proclaim the excellencies of Christ so that they see who the real Jesus is, so that they can escape uh, the wrath to come? So, mm-hmm. no, I thought you did a really good job of explaining that. But and as you were talking, I remember reading Second Peter, and it was just a an urgency, and even Jude, an urgency to to do something uh, for the glory of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting if you're starting to have these questions of is he actually returning or is there actually judgment, how it would be hard to endure things like suffering. It starts with a small seed and I feel like the implications of it are pretty large whenever you hit those trials. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, and I think the implications too of, you know, suffering well, it, it actually leads into greater depths of obedience. Whereas then then like parallel to that is is Second Peter and Jude saying but then twisting doctrine is, is again, leading mm-hmm. into sinful living. And so that's going to lead other people astray. But then when we suffer well, that's what we can do. When you're talking about, okay, what can we do to do this is we protect that doctrine and then we suffer really well. And I think God's, God's glorified in that. And then Amen. we can trust Him with what He does with other people watching that.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, we all know suffering is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether we have experienced it, we are experiencing it, we will experience it. We're all looking for hope somewhere, and I think we know based on God's Word, uh, based on the power of the Spirit, like we can find not only hope now, but for the future. Mm -hmm. I've often said that hope is not just a future thing, but it's a present thing as well, meaning when tough things come my way, which they do, I'm able to make it through the storm, not because it... (laughs) I'm eliminating the situation, mm-hmm. but because I see Jesus at work in my life now, but also there will come a day where this will no longer be the case. And so I think for you, for me, for us, uh, we can just be a testament to God's faithfulness in our lives when suffering comes. That way, when people see the way that we respond, uh, we can point them to the one mm-hmm. who we said earlier, who is, he's faithful to sustain us.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely been some heavy-hitting topic, so I appreciate both you, Bethany, and Tyson, for putting in the work to teach a hard topic, um, one that is not necessarily a favorite among our culture, Um, but I think it's important. It's important in our own—working out our own salvation to be reminded that while, you know, I mean, you started us off saying the church looked very different that Peter was writing to, but yet all of this is still very relevant to our lives now, Um, and so I've just been encouraged as we've kind of talked through this a little bit. So I appreciate you guys joining us. Um, and honestly, the podcast, I mean, we're kind of towards the end. I think what we have left is Revelation. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and we will talk to you guys next time.
0: You've been listening to the Lightbears Institute podcast, a production of Lightbears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com.